Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you are listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Gentlemen, it's always nice to be able to hop on here, especially after a series win, and it's even sweeter to be able to do it after uh, getting it done in, in the Bronx. I'm doing well. Everybody can find me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. Terry, how are you doing tonight? I am doing swell. I picked the Red Sox to lose this series in a sweep. It was nearly the opposite. Somehow we come away with a win against Garrett Cole and uh, a bunch of brain farts in game three late by the Yankees. So not too bad. And uh, quick check of the standings here. Uh, Red Sox back to 500 after being below it for much of the last few days. And uh, but still in fifth place, 14 games back from the Tampa Bay Rays, who have uh, seven more wins than the second place Baltimore Orioles. So um, still a still a one team show here in the American League East. And uh, Alex Cora probably feeling a little bit less pressure. I, I thought like if we lost this series. I would have said there was a 15% chance Alex Cora gets fired shortly after that plane lands in Boston. And 15% to me is huge odds right now. I would I would say that's big. You know, your your Alex Cora huggers would probably say no, there's less than a 1% chance, but I think this was a big win for Alex Cora and we'll get into the Rockies uh preview actually that's a second show now for the listening audience most of you have probably figured that out already so that that'll just be released later in the day on monday for your pm commute but um the the red sox can despite the pitching woes i think can go on a little bit of a run here um based on you got the rockies twice this month i know we got the twins um you know it's not that robust uh when it comes to the schedule yeah, no. And uh, Terry, where can the fans find you on Twitter? At Cushman MLB. Excellent. Excellent. Yep. You know, uh, as you mentioned, uh, we're back up to 500. We have the, I believe, eighth most runs scored in Major League Baseball, and we have the sixth most runs allowed. We have scored the same number of runs that we have allowed uh, for the first time this year. So we're 500 with a zero run differential. Um, so it's, you know, Pretty elite hitting. Top eight is pretty quality, but bottom six in the majors as far as allowing runs is pretty brutal. So um, understandably so. We have some room for improvement. But, uh, Cody, why don't you start us off with studs and duds? Obviously, we won the series. Who was your stud for this series against the Yankees? My stud for the series against the Yankees this weekend was Nick Pavetta. A what, a who done it, a why this guy, a much maligned player that we have all, you know, kind of had our takes, our tweets, our thoughts, our loud opinions about, you know, wasn't getting it done as a starter. Uh, very fiery, very emotional guy, got put in the bullpen, did not handle it well, 
had, you know, kind of a tone deaf um, response to being told that, you know, he was, he was going to be putting the pennies like, or after his most recent pour outing, you know, he's like, I'm a starter. That's all I've ever been. I'm going to go out there and just take the ball and, you know, lit another egg. And then we put him in the bullpen, but all that's behind him. Um, you know, I think he's kind of uh, reframed his attitude, reframed his his paradigm. He's just the type of guy that's going to take the ball and, and try to get out when he can. You know, if he's locating that curveball, if he's able to switch it up, he's a pretty effective pitcher, and we've seen it in the past. And that's what he was this weekend for us. And not only was he effective and, uh, you know, putting up zeros, um, I believe, you know, he had two outings. Uh, one was two-thirds of an inning and uh, one full end tonight with, um, with a strikeout. Nope, sorry, not a strikeout, just a walk. Uh, but the most important part about that, it was it was all scoreless appearances and they were in high leverage situations. These are late ending appearances. I believe it was the eighth ending tonight. Um, and he was able to shut the door and keep us in games and not let things get away from us, not have those big blow up innings like he was you know, prone to, especially as a starter. Um, he's looked a lot sharper uh, as, as a reliever. That fastball is taking up a couple extra miles an hour. You know, I, I think that's something that's pretty common to see as, as starters make that move or transition into the bullpen. But um, you know, with with the bullpen being as taxed as it was early in the season, having a fresh arm kind of go back in there and and just give Cora another weapon, another arm to put out there, especially when that's you know when it's humming, he's as good, when he's going right, he's as good as anybody that that we've got in this organization. Um, and so it's just been nice to see him do well, especially in a big series against you know our <laughs> our rivals. Um, and so we had to give a shout out to the guy uh, when he does do well. Terry. So I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but in recent years, Nick Pavetta has actually had pretty decent numbers uh, against the Yankees, at least going back to the fall of 2021. So not a huge shock that, uh, you know, he was used in relatively high leverage here. When Cora brought him out the first time, I, I didn't really, I wasn't crazy about it because uh, in his previous appearance uh, in the Guardian series, Pavetta came in late and needed 31 pitches to get just two outs and then had to get pulled with the bases loaded. So, um, you know, coming into this series, it wasn't really looking good for Pavetta. Um, he's certainly on better ground than Corey Kluber is, uh, you know, given that disastrous uh, relief performance he had against the Guardians. But, um, the bullpen's a little bit in flux right now. And, uh, you know, it's, he, we had to turn to someone. Pavetta was the guy. He got the job done. I don't think barring an injury, I, I don't think it doesn't matter how good he is, uh, in the bullpen. I think he's going to stay there, uh, you know, until, you know, they're forced to put him back into the rotation, but everyone currently in the rotation, I, I think their roles are, are pretty, uh, safe for now. So, but good series against the Yankees, nonetheless, for Pavetta. Absolutely agreed. And, uh, you know, with that, that's, uh, six straight appearances where he's actually come out and done really good work. He's only had one blip and that was in the Tampa Bay, uh, appearance that he had. He also did not pitch an inning. So it's interesting now that we've seen him pitch in a couple situations where he's not pitching full innings. So he's coming in for for broken situations where he's not getting that opportunity to, to completely come out. Cody mentioned that his, his, you know, the fastball had a couple extra ticks on it, which is really good. Pavetta only had two really good starts this whole season. That was to start the year. And after that, he just kind of fell apart. So 
hopefully if if all goes well, he can become that long reliever that the Red Sox so desperately need since Garrett Whitlock is not in that spot anymore. Um, but him keeping his mouth shut right now is, has been also as equal of a victory as his performance in the bullpen because when he came out saying, I'm not understanding your question, I'm a starter, that's why I'm here, I'm going to continue starting and all that, that it just kind of lost me a little bit, and I think it lost a little bit of the fan base as well. So I'm, I'm happy that he's been able to kind of change his tune because uh, it's only going to his his value if he wants to become a starter again in the long term. I mean, the kid's only 30 years old, so in the opportunity of becoming a starter is, is there again if it presents itself. But right now I think he's, as you mentioned, he's, he's locked in the bullpen. You know, and just real quick before we get on to my stud, a lot of people, you know, give Haim a lot of credit because Pavetta came over in the uh, Brandon Workman trade and stuff. But in hindsight, I mean, he hasn't really broken his reputation as an inconsistent starter. Uh, because he is in the pen and I'm just wondering if the Red Sox hung on to him too long because eventually the trade the longer we keep him yeah we won the trade no matter what but we could have capitalized you know on on getting a little bit of value in return for him had we potentially moved him in the offseason just saying I mean he's a good he's a good swing guy but the guy's just he just can't he can't establish himself. And I mean, his current role is, is the most we're going to get out of him, I think, but it is what it is. I, I don't yeah. know why I even went there, but uh, it's all good. my stud for the series, uh, this is a guy I thought we would be going to quite a bit this year. Um, you know, he was a little bit injured last year, but has, uh, has had some real high spots with the Red Sox, and that's Kike Hernandez. Um, hit a what ended up being a big home run uh, in Game One. We were up two to one, uh, but the Yankees did come back to score a run. So that extra insurance run that Kike um, sent over the left field fence at Yankee Stadium, you know, and it ended up being a key insurance run. Uh, no doubter off the bat. Um, their reliever was, uh, I forget his first name, Abreu. Uh, and the Yankees, this was a low-scoring series, as we're probably going to touch on, but the Yankees have the number one bullpen in Major League Baseball. So just a really big spot for Kike to, to notch that solo home run. And then in the finale, he had a couple of spots where he hit a single to the left fielder, got to first, and then the ball was coming back into the infield, and Glaber Torres just fell asleep and uh, and missed the catch, and that allowed Kike to go to second, and he ended up uh, coming across the plate later on in the inning, and uh, and then finally uh, in extras off of Ron Marinaccio. Hell of a last name, you know, <laughs> mafia sounding name in uh, in the Bronx. But um, but yeah, so just uh, hit hit the go ahead run there. Just helping us win by being his normal scrappy self throughout the series. So um, it, it, we say what you want with him as a shortstop. It is what it is. You know, I mean, you could. You're you're not going to take his bat out of the lineup, so you could go with Reyes and Arroyo, 
you know, as your middle infield. He's going to play. Ideally, he would be an outfielder, but suddenly, you know, unexpectedly, we have a very good outfield, even with uh, Jaron Duran out there. So, but he's he's helping us win in other ways, and, and it's fun to see. Absolutely. Cody, anything you want to add? I mean, Kike's greatest value, I think, when we signed him originally was this super utility, you know, high energy, trying to help the team win as any ways he can, right? Um, and I think that's what we're starting to see him kind of be, because if I'm not mistaken, I believe he played at second base tonight, right? And and as Terry mentioned, you know, um, took second on what just was a lackadaisical effort on, on the ball thrown in from the outfield, obviously had that big hit in game one. But, you know, he's a guy that's going to be kind of – able to contribute in different ways, maybe not always in the box score. Um, and we just hadn't seen that from him consistently this year, right? He was never going to be the guy that, you know, you look at the season, oh, you know, he's hitting 330 with 20 bombs and 100 RBIs. Like, that's not his production. But his production was the small things, right? A big hit there or, you know, taking the opportunity there. And we were starting to see those a little bit more. You know, maybe this sprinkling him into the outfield to get him back on grass where he seems to make – um, better plays and plays with more confidence. I don't know what that that necessarily looks like, but it's just good to see him go because when he's going, obviously this offense is is a lot deeper, and you know it's not just a hole in the lineup where you know we can just turn it over three pitches or a line out or something like that, and we move on to the next guy. So uh, a great pick for a stud for the series. We obviously don't win game one without it. Um, so very well. Yeah, I mean you already hit the nail on the head. Um, this is a very you know. Uh, I don't want to use the word quiet as like a negative, but there weren't too many crazy good plays that went for, for both sides. But Kike definitely established himself as, as one of those guys that helped us win the series. Um, really clutch home run. Getting on base, got the game-winning hit in game three. So, it, you know, I, I think you used the term scrappy. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, there is going to be no other person that's going to – handle short, at least for the time being, on a consistent basis. No one has eclipsed Kike Hernandez to be our everyday shortstop on a regular basis. It's it's just going to be one of those things where it's frustrating at times when he's there, but he's going to make himself visible and he's going to make himself memorable for good things too. And I think that's something that we have to keep in mind because he is capable of having those um, pretty special moments. As Cody mentioned, this is someone who the Red Sox signed originally to be uh, to take him out of a utility guy to be an everyday guy and hit 20 home runs in his first season in Boston. So I think that the opportunities will continue to go his way because he's so versatile. If he was only a one or two position guy, no. But the fact that he has the ability of playing multiple positions, he could play second, short, third. If he wanted to play first, I'm sure he could do that too. He can play multiple positions in the outfield. I mean, we've seen what he can do in the outfield too. The guy is The guy is special when he's on. So uh, if there's nothing to add, my dud for this series was Brian Bayo. Brian Bayo just absolutely just cleaned the Yankees in New York. Uh, seven innings, two runs on three hits, two walks, three strikeouts, 98 pitches. Um, one thing that I was sharing with you guys earlier, Boston Red Sox, we're just hoping to get six innings. We just want a quality start out of you. That's it. And if you get six, that's pretty good. If you do seven in New York, you were past good. You were elite. You did fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, you did not get the win. He just didn't get it, and that was really unfortunate. But, man, oh, man, did Brian Bayo absolutely impress me. He's continued to do this week in and week out. Um, he's had a couple blips, but, I mean, you look back at it, he's only had one blip in his last four or five starts, and he's given you almost a quality start every time. So 
Um, this is the future of the Boston Red Sox rotation. Does he have the ability and the pedigree to be a number one? Maybe. Does he have the opportunity to be a number two? Absolutely. So I think if the Red Sox are smart, we try to build around Brian Bale in our rotation. You get those extra pieces. You get those extra chips. You try to make this team a little bit better in the rotation. This is this is all you know. We're starting to get there, um, but it's 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 going to be around this guy right here. So Brian Bale, my stud for for this series, absolutely uh, keeping the Yankees quiet in New York. Cody, his box score was nothing to snuff at, apart from you know the low hits and the high innings. Right, those are things that we're going to be looking for. He wasn't blowing guys away with you know strikeouts. He wasn't. Um, necessarily doing it in a masterful uh dominant kind of appearance but what he was doing was keeping the offense off balance he was in a rhythm he was attacking the zone he had that front door two-seamer or cutter or you know whatever ball you want to you know they're changing the names on the pitches these days i think you know um but man that that ball was dancing tonight and he was just in control and when he gets going um with momentum it's really fun to watch because like you're saying charlie he is kind of the anchor point to the rotation of the future right he is going to be that bridge guy that takes us to you know our next starting five um you know as as this team kind of continues to take shape but um tonight was just uh, a great appearance you know i think anytime we see one or two runs kind of squeak across uh, home play we're like oh man that feels like three or four and especially for new york to get the two the way that they did um and for him to stay locked in and not get rattled and, you know, kind of give this offense an opportunity to wake up in the later innings was an even bigger, you know, kind of vote of confidence or feather in his cap. Um, I've been nothing but impressed with kind of how he's handled his development. Um, you know, we kind of threw him in trial by fire because we needed an arm. Um, you know, he didn't do very well at the beginning and it was kind of sink or swim. And, you know, he found his, his sea legs and to continue to see him grow, to work with Pedro, to, you know, get all of these different pitches um it's just been it's been wonderful and you know it is a a, a tip to the cap of the development team right because you know it does it, it takes two to tango right a guy can have raw stuff a guy can have that work ethic but if he's not getting good instruction you know what can you do with it so um just a great a great stud performance uh for this series The kid's been impressive all year long. His only bad start was his first one. His first start of the year, which happened a little late because he, you know, he had a minor elbow issue uh, in spring training, but he only lasted two and two thirds against the Angels, gave up five earned. I mean, I think every starter in the in the Red Sox rotation right now has given up that at least two or three times. Maybe Paxton might be an exception because he's only started, what, maybe five or six. But but still, and if you take that first game away, if you just wipe that out, pretend it didn't happen, he's given up three earned runs or less in every other outing. And he would have a, an ERA of 3.13 right now, which is, like I said, far and away better than anything else we have in that rotation equally impressively tonight was his third start against the Yankees and in 18 innings, he's only given up three earned runs against them. Two of them were because of the second base bag tonight, extremely unlucky, but be that as it may, uh, you know, two runs came in. He only gave up one other run previously, but he's got a 1.50 ERA against the Yankees. So that's big, you know, and we don't 
you know, compete in the playoffs much anymore, but eventually we will. And uh, we're probably going to cross paths with the Yankees. And and you're going to want a guy like Bayo who isn't going to be phased by the moment, uh, much like he wasn't tonight in a nationally televised game. Uh, you know, three strikeouts, like Cody said, not overly impressive, but he he had, I think after six innings, he was right around like 87 pitches or something. And normally you probably wouldn't bring him back out, but um, I had a feeling Cora would, and he came back out for the seventh and it was just three up, three down, just cruised right through the inning. And despite not having the strikeouts, he very much looked in control all night long. Uh, he There wasn't a ton of uh, runners in scoring position uh, aside from that second inning and uh, just kind of quietly in control. So uh, I like it. Uh, we're still... I'm, it's hard to say this wasn't his best outing of the year, being that it was a seven-inning performance, but just incrementally heading in the right direction and, and it's fun to see. I, I wish we had one or two more like him, you know. Maybe maybe Hauk finally figures it out and, and becomes that guy. I don't know, but um it it was it was fun to watch tonight and uh I hope he uh I hope he pisses the Yankees off for years to come. So here here's my thing. I, I I think the the underlying thing that second inning was was just kind of dumb luck. I mean that ball it went off of the back, and that's the only reason my two runners came around. Otherwise, he ends the second inning with a ground out, and the runners are stuck at second and third, and that's it. Um, what happens with um, you know Cabrera and the rest of of the Yankees following that? Who knows? But I think that there were some just bad luck things that happened. Grant, that's part of baseball. But when you pitch seven innings in New York against the Yankees, you allow two runs on a fluky off-the-bag hit. I think you did pretty damn well. And to handle that, that's a big pressure, high-intensity game. And you were able to, to shush them to two runs on an oops. That wasn't your fault. I think you did fantastic. No, it's not Pedro. You know, as they mentioned, they were talking about Pedro's performance from 1999 when he struck out 17 Yankees, and the only thing he did was one mistake pitch to Chili Davis. That was it. I was talking about that with my dad earlier today. We watched the game together. And, um, you know, no, it wasn't that. But you know what? Seven innings against the Yankees, it doesn't matter. Seven innings against the Yankees in New York where you where you do your job, that's pretty quality because that's not like pitching seven innings against the Reds or the Pirates or the Blue Jays. It's the Yankees. This is the most storied rivalry franchise um, against the Red Sox period like this is the biggest rivalry or used to be considered the biggest rivalry in Major League Baseball maybe all of sports and unfortunately it's not where it was just based on the fact that we're just not where you know the Yankees and the Red Sox are not where they would like to be right now and where we're used and accustomed to seeing them right now so Unless there's anything else to add, we'll, we'll kind of go through some honorable mentions for uh, for our studs here. Actually, um, uh, you got some stats, oh, sure. so why don't you work your magic on that? Um, I'll start us off with honorable mentions. Uh, so uh, Garrett Whitlock uh, pulled off. Uh, I would call it, even though he's been pitching fairly well, I, I would call that an upset. Um, six and one third, seven hits, only gave up one earned run, walked one, struck out six. Gets the win against Garrett Cole. The impressive performance, Cody. 
Yeah. No, I mean, he was uh, an absolute tone setter for the series as well um, to be able to go out there and compete, especially against Garrett Cole, um, you know, a guy that's going to keep runs at a premium to keep us in the game. It was um, absolutely what we needed and what we're, we're hoping to get out of him too, right? If we're going to keep him in the rotation, this is what he needs to continue to do because we know what he can be as a reliever, and that's always going to be in the back of my mind, how electric he was, how, how you know, shut down he was in, in the back of the inning. So if he wants to stay in the rotation and be that starting pitcher, this is the outings that he needs to do. These are the pitchers that he needs to go up against and, and continue to compete as well. You got your stuff back, Charlie? I think it sounds better. Uh, I think it does. Okay, cool. Um, did you talk about uh, Chris Martin yet? No, no, we just spoke about Whitlock so far. Whitlock also, fantastic performance. Um, Chris Martin, two innings, two strikeouts. Over 82% of his pitches went for strikes. I mean, just locked down. Probably one of the better hold guys. I, I don't remember us having... A, a an eighth inning guy like this since we had Daniel Bard, who was arguably one of the best hold guys in Major League Baseball. Uh, and then Justin Turner as well, five for 11, big solo home run in game three, a couple of singles in this game as well, hitting almost 500 is incredible. Only one strikeout in that, uh, in that series. So it, it was just a, a weird little thing where a lot of small, small baseball was working, a lot of singles and doubles. And that's how it works like you're if you're not a home run hitting team like the red Sox, you have got to figure other ways out to win ball games and if it's all singles and doubles i don't care as long as you get on base and do your job i don't care so um doogie four for 14 four singles so combined verdugo turner nine for 25 eight singles a strikeout a solo home run i will take that that is so much better than a one for 11 with eight strikeouts. So, um, yeah. Anyway, else you guys want to know? Well, I mean, the starting rotation in general, counting Bayo seven inning performance went 19 in the third innings and, uh, gave up a grand total of five runs. So that's what really, I think won us the series. Martin, as you said, very impressive, especially tonight, uh, to close out that 10th inning, just got the Yankees to put some ugly swings on balls that weren't even strikes. I mean, I I think it was Trevino, the catcher, swung at a ball that would have hit him. All he had to do was stand there. He would have had a free base. There would have been runners on the corners. Yeah, so I just, you know, he he definitely had them off balance, and uh, he did get he did get kind of slapped around against the Guardians, but. Uh, Showed no ill effects, uh, you know, this series. And uh, I, I know I just spoke about the rotation in general. We we talked about Whitlock. Tanner Houck as well had great career numbers uh, against the Yankees. I think a 2.28 ERA against them in a relatively short sample size as well. But um, fantastic job. I'd love to see him do that against everyone. But uh, we'll see. If he can get that splitter going, uh, you know, he... I don't see why he couldn't navigate through the, um, you know, the opponent's lineup at, at least two or three times, you know, fastball slider splitter. That should be enough. He's just got to put it together. Absolutely. Uh, Cody, why don't you hit us with your dud for this series? 
Charlie, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You know, this was a, a low-scoring series. wasn't a lot of kind of baseball to be had per se, right? Uh, I don't think the duds for this uh, this segment are really going to be you know players that quote unquote cost us wins so much as guys that just didn't necessarily show up in the box score, right? Um, you know, I'm going to claim Reese McGuire as my dud for this series, but not necessarily because I thought, you know, he played that poorly or, you know, he had a bunch of defensive miscues or errors or, you know, um, stolen bases on him or anything like that. He just wasn't overly, I guess, productive for lack of better terms, right? If you were to go over this series, you're going to talk about the highlights. It might be easy to think, oh, this might have been a Connor Wong series, right? Maybe Reese McGuire didn't even play, but he played both games or he played two out of three games, excuse me, um, a combined one for six um, with a walk and a strikeout, uh, one hit, you know, nothing, nothing really to write home about, but, you know, solid behind the plate. Um, Got to give him credit where credit's due and they, in regards to the starting pitching, right. You know, um, we've definitely uh, bided our time in the past with defensive catchers that were, you know, specialists with the pitching staff in lieu of offensive production. But um you know, I don't want to bash on this guy too much. We got the series win. We got great, great starting pitching top to bottom for all three starters, which is something that this team has desperately needed, you know, this entire season. So, um, Reese McGuire is my dud, but I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it brief. Terry, who do you have? Or what, sorry, what are your thoughts? Um, our catching in general, I you know, it started off the year relatively hot. Connor Wong was showing some pop, and uh, Reese McGuire was a hitting machine as he was in the, I don't know, the six or eight weeks he hit for us last season. And uh, it's just kind of quieted down a little bit, but um, somebody had to be the dud. So uh, I guess I guess it's McGuire this time around. Yeah, um, as far as Reese McGuire is concerned, he's just, I think this is his last year in Boston. I don't think anyone's going to give him, I don't think we're going to give him another shot next year. Um, he's just a, I hate to say like below average backup. He's he's just there. And, and yes, he can call a good game behind the plate, but there's no real bat there. I mean, the guy will go almost, he went the entire month of May until the last game of May before he had an extra base hit. And I, and I sat there, I was like, I, don't, I still don't think he's had a home run yet. He still hasn't hit a home run. So this is a guy that um, is not only playing for his career here, he's, he's, he's or his season rather, he's, or his position. My God, I can't talk. His position right now uh, on the team, but he's playing for his career because I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams that say, oh yeah, we got to have a guy like Reese McGuire on the team. Uh, this is someone who's in less than 250. Just a couple extra base hits. Uh, all three hits in the month of uh, of the month of June so far have been extra base hits, all, all doubles. But that's that's been it. You know, there's been no triples, no homers, just ten RBIs on the season. Um, decent batting average, you know, two seventy eight. But for someone that doesn't play all that much, it, it's not really a position or a player that any team is going to be scared about. But you know, as long as he can continue to call a good game, he'll be adequate for the remainder of twenty twenty three. I mean, people aren't stealing on him at will anymore, so that that's a good sign. And I, I think in a perfect world, Connor Wong would just kind of ramp it up a little bit offensively, and and then I think we're fine with McGuire being a backup. Um, I I don't uh, obviously I, I don't pay too much attention to the farm, but I I don't really think there's a catcher, um, you know, that's you know, in the pipeline that's going to come up and make an impact. So um, it's, 
it's really tough to see. I mean, it, uh, like I said, unless Wong steps it up, I, I, I wouldn't anticipate that's going to be a um, position where we get a lot of offensive production. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Terry, who'd you have for your uh, dad? You know, I mean, for as low scoring as the series was, um, it, it's, it's oddly, it's, it's hard to really come up with anyone, but uh, Brennan Bernardino gave up what ended up being the, um, you know, the, the go ahead run uh, for the Yankees and came in to replace Tanner Houck. Houck had pitched pretty brilliantly, um, you know, through six innings and uh, Bernardino gave up a single to uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefra, and uh, he ended up advancing to second on a fielder's choice. And then uh, Kyle Higashi Oka, another catcher uh, for the Yankees, uh, ended up hitting a single, which which drove in uh, Kiner Falefa. So uh, not a great outing. I, I will say Bernardino has, uh, for a guy that came off the scrap heap uh, randomly uh, in the month of May, has uh, pitched okay. His stuff doesn't seem overpowering, and he sometimes seems a, a little bit erratic, but, you know, is able to keep the hitters off balance. So kind of curious to see who this guy really is. Um, you know, he's pitched a lot of seventh and eighth innings, and like I said, uh, you know, hasn't been terrible. But um, the interesting thing going forward is, and I kind of wanted to talk about this in the Pavetta segment on the stud side, but who do you trust right now in the, in the seventh inning? Cause Winkowski kind of been scuffling. That was basically his inning for the first six or seven weeks. And, and perhaps it still is, but I mean, he hasn't been the same guy and I just don't know who else you turn to. Um, you know, you want to get to the eighth with Martin and then the ninth with Jansen, but we're just, uh, we're a little bit of a mess right now. And Jansen didn't look great in game one, by the way, uh, gave up some hard contact. It was really fortunate that Anthony Volpe hooked it just, just a little to the left of that, uh, left field foul pole. Cause that would have been the walk-off, um, if, if he didn't hook it, uh, as much as he did. And, would have been a blown save for Kenley. So this bullpen is is looking uh, a little bit vulnerable. And, uh, you know, Bernardino in, in a high spot kind of essentially uh, took the possible sweep away uh, for the Red Sox. Cody. Bernardino, I mean, Terry, you mentioned it, right? Um, kind of hard to find duds in this series. It was a low-scoring one, not, you know, I, we, I wouldn't say it was a well-played series, you know, top to bottom. We obviously talked about a little bit of fluky, the the mental lapses and, and whatnot. But he's kind of seemingly turning into like a Matt Barnsey type pitcher, in my opinion, and from my viewing standpoint, in the sense of, very early in his outing, you're going to kind of know which one it's going to be, right? Is that curveball working or is that fastball locating for Matt Barnes and, you know, vice versa for, for Bernardino? I feel like when Bernardino comes on, he's either going to be working quickly and he's going to get the guys out efficiently. And, you know, if that first guy or two gets on, then, you know, like, oh, man, we're in for one here. And, you know, we're getting value from from a guy that we found off the scrap heap, as, as Terry pointed out. So really, you know, anything is better than nothing. Um, and 
you know, to to go to Yankee Stadium, it's it's a loud, it's a raucous place. You know, they had obviously felt like they gave it away game in game one, had an opportunity to get one in game two and got loud. Um, I'm not I'm not super sweating it. Um, you know, this is a left-handed pitcher that has been largely effective um, in a lot of his outings for the for the season. So I'll take it. You know, everybody's going to have a bad day at the office. Uh, let's just keep it moving. <laughs> Yeah, not much more to add. I mean, just the the one blip against the series. I mean, he's been pretty pretty lights out for for the month. And granted, it's only been a couple weeks so far in June, almost two weeks. Only one run allowed, just that run against New York. Um, this is his second career year. The guy's thirty one years old. I had to look back because I don't remember him being like a kid. Um, but he's he's not pitching poorly. I mean, he's only given up a couple home runs this year. Both were solo shots. Nothing insane. Had a pretty good you know first start to the year strikes out a decent number of guys isn't going to blow anyone away um but he's he's consistent like he's a consistent guy in that bullpen he's like you know ryan brazier before he fell apart you know he was a guy that if he came in i wasn't nervous it wasn't a guy that was coming in to you know pitch because we were either getting blown out or pitching because you know we just didn't care this is a guy that okay cool well martin may not pitch right now we're going to try and give this guy i i could see him as a formidable eighth inning guy if martin can't go or martin ends up being close because kenley can't go I, I i see him like that i i would trust him enough at this point to be able to do that because he's he's shown me that he's not the guy that's going to get absolutely destroyed any anything else you guys want to add no uh okay cool so um wow the show is moving unlike the, the past where we usually like we usually drag because uh, we're talking about other things with studs and duds. But my dud for this series, I mean, I've been here before. Uh, Christian Arroyo, one for eight in the series, single, didn't play in game three, thank God. Uh, had a throwing error that allowed a run in a game that we pretty much, you know, didn't have a, a chance in, in winning. But I'm, I'm just kind of confused why this guy's here. Uh, he's hitting 200. He's got a couple doubles. He's not scoring runs. He's not knocking in runs. He's not hitting home runs. He's not drawing walks. Guy's not stealing any bases. He's striking out 25% of his at-bats. I just don't get what he's doing here still. Like, at this point, it's it's just stupid. We're, uh, I don't understand. Like, last month, only played in a couple games. It's only, you know, he's one sneeze away from being done for a month. That's the type of guy that Christian Arroyo is, and I just don't I just don't understand why, why he's here. I just don't get it. It blows my mind. We're keeping him over other players that were actually doing stuff. It just, it mind-blown. Cody, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to argue the stats, right? Those are those are kind of objective figures and, and facts and not really things you can necessarily twist. But um, the to answer your question of what is he doing here, who else would be here if he wasn't, I think is, uh, is a question you kind of put back, right? Um, you know, Reyes has been here. He's been you know, serviceable, right? And you know, Enrique, Eric Kike, you know, whatever has been short, maybe, you know, you can flip flop them or whatnot, but he does give us kind of some of that flexibility. Um, and I think that's really all, all you can kind of say is as to what he's doing in the moment, you know, does this team look a lot different when we're kind of at full strength, when story comes back, if Mondesi is coming back, you know, we obviously have gotten some bad news on that front. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always kind of viewed Christian Arroyo as a spark type player. Um, or, you know, a player that can kind of work himself into a lather if given, you know, kind of consistent at-bats and consistent opportunities. The problem is, you know, he can't afford to give himself those consistent opportunities. So we can never really kind of see this, you know, full-fledged potential uh, player that he could have been. Because, you know, we've seen it for for short spurts here and there. And 
there's a lot of promise. It's just, you know, the best ability is availability. And unfortunately, that's the one that kind of seems to uh, elude them. Terry. I don't have a ton to add. I mean, it has, it's probably been his worst year, uh, you know, in the, in the Red Sox organization uh, so far anyway. Um, despite the error, I mean, Emmanuel Valdez probably would have committed an error <laughs> if he was up. I just think he's a, he's a steadier glove. Um, I'm guessing Pablo Reyes will be the odd man out once Yu Chang is ready to come back. And I'm not real crazy about that. I, I don't think Reyes is quite as good of a defender as Chang, and he's certainly not a power threat, but he's a very good situational hitter. And we've seen him come through, uh, in some high leverage moments, uh, including tonight when he bunted the runners on first and second, you know, to second and third. And, um, I don't know. I, he's just kind of won me over and, uh, he hits lefties really well. So, uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, Arroyo will survive all the moves, but our middle infield just isn't good right now. It's just not good. And you can <laughs> rearrange the chairs on the Titanic all you want, but, um, I, I don't know that we're gonna we're ever gonna have a, a set combination this season uh, of who we like basically and, until I guess story comes back and then you've got your hopefully stud middle infielder that you were hoping you were getting uh, you know at the start of last season when you know. No one expected we would we would get him, but uh, and I was screaming for it all winter long from the mountaintops. I was a big Trevor Story guy, uh, so to my surprise, it happened. But he'll uh, he should be the boost we need, uh, you know, offensively and defensively. So, and if the bar is where Xander Bogarts has been at for the last thirty days, that's a pretty easy bar for Story to uh, right. rise above. So uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, the 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 outfield is set. You know, the rotation is is fairly set. So you know, the the middle infield just provides the most questions right now, and uh, Arroyo is uh, one part of it. Absolutely. A couple of dishonorable mentions in this game. Um, it pains me to say Masataka Yoshida on this list going over for 11, though. When you when you go hit list, that's tough. Uh, a couple of walks, a couple of strikeouts. Nothing to really talk about, though, because Masataka Yoshida has been one of the bright spots the Red Sox have had all season long. Made an incredible play tonight in left field. That, that play, uh, Terry, you already posted it. It's a safe bet to say that he's going to be a better defensive fielder than Manny Ramirez in left field. All I can think of is Manny Ramirez sliding and his cleat getting stuck at Fenway Park in left field. Do you remember that play? I don't. You, you'll, you'll have to Google Manny Ramirez cleat stuck, and he like gets caught in like somersaults and doesn't make the play. Uh, Duvall, one for six, just coming back from uh, a stint on the IL. One for six, three strikeouts, a walk and a single. Not worried. Again, Duvall will figure it out. And then Tristan Casas, two for 10, a couple of singles, an RBI, pair of walks, three strikeouts, and then that uh, double play that he grounded into game three. Really hard to find, you know, duds because everyone was, for the most part, at least, you know, above dud status. But that's, those are the three that I would add. Any, anyone else that you two haven't particularly wanted to talk about? 
It was just tough for Casas, right? 112 off the bat, right at the middle. It just, you know, so happened to be a guy who was positioned perfectly, right? You know, for the Yankees, the ball goes off second. It's two runs for Casas. It's right in the middle of the glove for an ending or an ending killing double play. But, you know, he's he's progressively started to look a little bit better. But, yeah, I mean, you know, if you had to pick a dud, he, he would be on the honorable mention list for sure. Yeah, um, just, I mean, also, if you want to even call it a dud, it's just the Red Sox luck this in game three. I mean, you had a ball hit a runner. That's an automatic out. And then, um, what was the other one? It was, oh, yeah, the, the second base one. Ball, you know, Trevino hits a ball right off a of second base, and that knocks in two runs, and the Red Sox are down two to one. So, you know, it's just unlucky, but it is what it is. So, moving on. We won the series. I'm happy. All things are good. Anything else you gents wanted to add? Right on. Excellent. Well, that is going to wrap it all up for us tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first-time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. And whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we thank all of you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.